Hello! Welcome to the DM's Guide to Rime of the Frost Maiden. I'm your host, Greggy Hockseller, and uh, every episode I talk about uh, where my session went in Icewind Dale Rime of the Frost Maiden, uh, what I have planned for the future, uh, what I've changed, what worked well, and uh, yeah, just go over my experience with the book. Uh, to help you feel more prepared for your session. If you'd like to get a hold of me, you can find me on Twitter at the Greggiest, where my DMs are open. Uh, you can send me an email to thegreggiest at protonmail.com, and you can watch my sessions in Rhyme of the Frost Maiden every Sunday night from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern on twitch.tv slash powerwarriors, all one word with a Z at the end. So I skipped a week to sort of <laughs> stockpile content for the podcast so i could share it with you now so what happened last time uh well first of all uh, my party met some kobolds as they approached the dark duchess uh they're in chapter two currently one of my players has the cannibal pirate secret uh so everybody else heard about a pirate ship and really wanted to head out there uh this character kind of didn't want to as much because uh he knows uh, that they may discover his dark past out there. But they ended up heading uh, to the Dark Duchess. They met some kobolds along the way. They, they can't seem to stop meeting kobolds. <laughs> There's so many kobolds out and about in this, uh, this book. And I, I don't know if it's necessarily uh, as written that there are. But whatever for whatever reason, anytime I, I roll anything or there's a, a possibility of a quest with... Uh, with kobolds, my my players all beeline right for that, and uh, they always roll that on the encounter sheet. Um, but some some kobolds uh, told them that uh, they've been looking for a white dragon that they've seen, and they they think it might rest somewhere near the Dark Duchess. Uh, of course, the the players were wary then of, of heading out there to a dragon's lair. Uh, they watched in the morning as the the white dragon flew away uh, to the east, away from the uh, pirate ship, off doing whatever business the dragon had. Um, they explored the ship and found the, the captain's door sealed shut with ice. Uh, so my, my fighter player, Octos, uh, she took out her sword and started beating on the, the door to try to chip away the ice. Of course, that caught the attention of the ice troll uh, and the, the decks below who came up and uh, fought with the party. It was a pretty difficult fight uh, but with its regeneration and things like that. So they defeated the troll and uh, went down and found the, the dragon's horde that is covered in ice, basically impossible to get to. Um, they, they also opened up the, the, the captain's uh, chest and found a wanted poster uh, for the the character Selkie, who is a uh, who was a pirate at one point, um, he has a, a a very involved backstory. He actually took two secrets. He took the the pirate cannibal one, and the one where you uh, seduced away the the concubine from the pasha in Kalimshan, and uh, so he is wanted uh, by that pasha and the, the captain of the the Dark Duchess uh, held on to a bounty poster for him. Now, I, I don't know exactly what the, the, the players think about that, why 
they think that the the captain had that, but the the reason why is because he was holding it kind of as a back pocket thing in case he ever had to blackmail Selkie or in case uh, he found an opportune moment to turn Selkie in for the reward. It was just kind of always a a thing that the the captain of the Dark Duchess had in his back pocket, um, just in case. Uh, On the back, he had scribbled a note saying that Rosetta uh, is on the Night Chaser, a ship called the Night Chaser. And uh, I think Selkie jumped to the conclusion that Rosetta was his ex-wife, whose name is Rosa, um, and and that that is what is going on there. His ex-wife got on a a ship and is is sailing, is now maybe a, a pirate or is being held by a pirate, something like that. What I actually know, and this is a, a spoiler for my campaign, so I, not for anybody else because this isn't an official thing, uh, but if you if you watch the stream, you may not want to hear. Uh, it is actually his daughter, Paloma, Paloma's mother, Rosa, uh, who was a concubine of the, cal- of the uh, Pasha. After Selkie left, unfortunately, Rosa was, was found by the, the Pasha, and take him back into his household, back into his palace. Uh, of course, he had no no interest in uh, another man's child, so the, the Pasha sent Paloma, Selkie's daughter, uh, to live with uh, her grandmother in Kalimshan. Paloma's, gr- er, yeah, Paloma's grandmother uh, always called her Rosetta because she reminded her of little Rosa when she was just a little child. So, uh, unfortunately... Semi-recently, Paloma's grandmother has passed away, uh, leaving little Paloma, uh, well, teenage Paloma, uh, kind of adrift with, uh, she could stay at at grandmother's place or she could try to avail herself of her mother and and try to maybe become a servant of the, the Pasha or something, but instead she decided she would follow in her father's footprints and perhaps maybe even find her father someday. Uh, and she became a, you know, a, a swabby on, on the Night Chaser. And she knew her father, Montgomery, he would always uh, give a, an assumed name uh, while he was on the ship. And so she did as well. She told the captain that her name was Rosetta, uh, just like her grandmother called her. So, uh, yes, the, the captain was going to use this information uh, against Selkie, if he should ever give him any trouble or any grief, uh, and also was planning perhaps to turn Sulky in uh, to the Pasha who is looking for revenge uh, on this man who, who stole uh, something that he loved away from him. Uh, nobody really knows any of that. That's all just headcanon. That's all just my plans uh, in my brain that is maybe someday uh, going to be uh, a part of the campaign, but maybe not. Who knows? Uh, they found a barrel of, of rum, which the book did not expect anybody to. They, they said, uh, you know, the pirates would have drank all of the rum. Uh, but I left one barrel still remaining, you know, perhaps. I, I just assumed before they got to the point of drinking every last drop of, of rum on the, the ship, they would have, you know, struck out landward trying to, you know, knowing that rescuers probably aren't going to come to them. They would have to try and do it on their own. So the pirates struck out, leaving a barrel of, of rum there. 
on the ship uh, and we all know the, the story from there they, they fell to cannibalism and eventually made their way to the ten towns or at least Selkie did uh, the first mate who was also uh, along with him on that journey uh, the two of them had a, a bit of a, a, a fight at the end and who knows where she might have ended up but perhaps she could be in the ten towns somewhere Anyway, so there was a barrel of rum still there on the, the ship, I said. Uh, so they have a centaur with them. Uh, you know, sometimes it's bad to have a centaur with you, like in the, the gem mine. But sometimes it's good, like when you want to carry an entire big barrel of rum to uh, Bremen. Um, so they tied it to her back and they headed off across the tundra to Bremen. Um, along the way, you know, as long as they're traveling on the, the wilderness here, out in the wilderness, uh, they've got to do these these checks to see if, if they have any encounters. Uh, one of the encounters that they rolled for was a, a meeting with a frost druid in an animal shape and with a retinue of, of awakened animals and things along with them. And so I said that the frost druid, uh, well, I didn't tell them this. I, the Frostroot had taken the shape of a black ram, it sort of had a satanic look to it, you know, up against the Aurora Borealis that is always uh, going off in, in uh, Icewind Dale at night now. Um, it also had a walrus and a, an awakened tree, an awakened walrus and an awakened tree, and uh, I think like an elk or a reindeer along with it. And uh, the ram stopped and, and spoke to them and uh, urged them to follow its name was Sanal, I believe. Uh, it urged them to, to follow it and live deliciously and and whatnot. It was a big, it was a, a fairly creepy encounter, as it turned out. And I think maybe this 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 creature is not a, a frost druid anymore. Maybe it actually is uh, some sort of a, a fiend or demon or you know like a an arch demon even uh, so, something that is out there in the cold of Icewind Dale trying to uh, seduce people into following it and becoming one of its uh, animal retinue that, that follows it around. Uh, it, it said it was on its way to the chasm, uh, which it, it was in the wrong direction really for the chasm that is in the, the book there. Uh, I can't remember, the Cackling Chasm. So maybe it was a different chasm that it was speaking of, maybe some sort of a, a hellish other domain, who knows. Uh, but Sanal, who knows, we, we may see that character sometime again uh, because it, it was interesting <laughs> and uh, very mysterious. So, uh, you know, you always want to uh, dig into those mysteries, or at least I do, uh, when, when a one-off thing becomes uh, something more important. Uh, they, they got to Bremen, and uh, Bremen, of course, has five taverns. Uh, the Stone, the Grumpy Moose, the Even Keel... The river's mouth, the black-bearded brother. They had this barrel of rum to sell, and they had five party members, five taverns. They said, well, let's all just go to a different tavern and see about selling this, this barrel of rum, see how much money we can get for it. So they did that. They went and had an encounter with, with every one of the, the five uh, tavern keeps in Bremen. This is always something that can happen, Dungeon Masters. Uh, be careful, be mindful, be ready. Have that dwarven name generator uh, open in a, a background tab as you DM here. Um, I did not write any of these dwarves' names down, and I'm now kicking myself. Yes, they went into each of the, the taverns. Uh, in the Black Bearded Brother, I, I said that the, the dwarf there 
also had a black beard that he had tied up and kind of tossed over his shoulder as he was hard at work mopping the floor and, and uh, you know, getting the, the tavern ready for a day of business. Uh, he was very friendly to Selkie when he came in and offered him uh, kind of a lowish offer, I believe, like 90 gold for the barrel. I kind of I looked up like what would a barrel of rum be worth in Dungeons and Dragons terms, and it, it was hard to say because of course it's like not an actual item. Uh, but if you look at like how much of a bottle of wine is compared to like a barrel of wine, how much you would be able to fit into a barrel, and then you think you know rum is a more distilled spirit and probably more expensive per volume uh, than wine. Uh, I mean, I was seeing estimates from like 200 gold up to 2,000 gold. Uh, so I, I sort of uh, came down in the middle that I think this would maybe be worth 500 gold if they could find the right buyer. But, uh, of course, in a backwater like Bremen, they're going to be hard-pressed to get that much money for it. In the even keel, Lamau spoke to the bartender and uh, the, the town speaker who... Uh, Lomont is a Leonin, and uh, the, the town speaker is incredibly old and short-sighted, not able to see because he's got cataracts covering his eyes. And uh, he, he mistook him for a, a, just a human in, in furs, and they had a, a, little, a little silly conversation because of that. And uh, Lomont ended up really liking the speaker, which was nice. Uh, the speaker said, uh, before you, you decide on anyone you want to sell that barrel to, come speak to me, and I... I I've got a little bit of an idea, uh, and the, the speaker took his leave of Lamont and uh, headed out. The, the bartender there said she could really only muster about 75 gold for it. In the river's mouth, Octos, who is playing a, a tiefling, but not just any tiefling. This is uh, the daughter of uh, one of the, the, the biggest uh, demons in the, the lore book. I don't even remember the name of it. Um, Azariel. Zariel is, is his mother. Um, so I, I thought, if Zariel is sending this character out on missions uh, in, in the Forgotten Realms, like that would come to the attention of uh, maybe some of these gods, and, and they might give a heads up to their uh, lawful good followers. You know, so I, I said that there's a, a paladin on Octos's trail, uh, Lady. Belinda Platonica Concilia Devon, also known as the Fiend, Belinda the Fiend Slayer, and she's there with her retinue of knights and uh, and pages uh, to look for this monstrous being carrying uh, a sword with a crystal at the end of it. So the the town drunk uh, was in uh, the river's mouth and spotted Octos with her crystal ended sword. And uh, said, oh, you don't look like a monster after all. Uh, you know, someone was looking for you. And uh, he, he was being very cagey because he wanted Octos to buy him uh, drinks. Uh, but she did not want to have any part of that. So she wasn't taking the bait. Uh, the bartender uh, was only able to spare uh, 100 gold uh, for the, the barrel. And Octos left without getting any more information from the, the drunk. In the Grumpy Moose, uh, the bartender there was a little a little richer than the others. Uh, she was able to offer 110 gold, still nothing close to what it's worth, and she felt bad about it, but you know she uh, was able to put up the most for it. 
Uh, and then in stones, um, I decided there was a, a tiefling there uh, speaking with the bartender and uh, they were having a very private conversation that it ended as soon as uh, Mosley, the Aarakocra, entered the tavern. They, they talked amongst themselves about this barrel of wine and they said, well, between the two of us, we could give you 210 gold pieces for the barrel. Uh, but the, the, the tiefling, whose name is Grief, uh, really gave bad vibes to the party, uh, the way he was speaking and things like that. Um, so they exited and reconvened in the town square, t- talking about uh, the, the different offers that each of them got. The, the town speaker uh, came along and said, well, he had spoken to each of the, the tavern keeps, and unfortunately he couldn't get the innkeeper of stones on board. But uh, the other four tavern keeps were willing to pay 50 gold each or uh, 200 gold altogether for the barrel if the party would be willing to um, willing to take that. And uh, that way everybody could uh, have use of the rum and bring in business with it, and the, the party would also be able to have some extra cash. Uh, not, you know, even all four of them together couldn't quite beat the deal uh, the grief and the, the bartender at Stones were willing to give them. But the party was interested in that offer uh, because, it, you know, the, the bad vibes of grief and the ability to that everybody could uh, get their chance to make some money off of the rum. Mosley and Lomont uh, the, the, my two players, uh, they wanted to go in and, and talk to Grief and talk to the bartender and see if they could get stones in on the deal as well. Grief was, you know, a pure capitalist who, who really wants the other taverns to go out of business because uh, the town can't afford to have five taverns. It doesn't really make sense. The stones should be the only the only tavern in Bremen. And, uh, you know, it would really help in his vision if uh, the, the party where it would be willing to uh, just sell the entire barrel to, to grief and to uh, the, the tavern keep of stones. Um, you know, he, he set forth his uh, economic philosophy to the party and they were <laughs> repulsed by it. Um, and they said, well, I'll tell you what, either you, you put in 40 gold and you get in on the deal with everybody else or you get no rum and, and your t- tavern is going to be the only one in town that doesn't have any rum. Eventually the tavern keeps saw the, the wisdom in this and agreed that he would pay for his share of the rum since the party wasn't willing to uh, take their offer, which they actually increased. They said, well, I'll tell you what, I will give you 250 gold if you just sell the rum directly to us here at Stones and don't share it with the town. That, that set off their, their sense of fairness and, uh, you know, what is right or whatever. You always feel proud of your, your D&D party when they, they make the, the noble choice rather than uh, the, the lucrative choice. And they refused the offer 250 gold. Ended up being they, they got 200 gold. Each of the ends put in 40 gold for it. And uh, they split it up between them all. Uh, the rest of the party were like, Octos, what the hell? It sounds like this woman, uh, this Belinda woman, is like hunting you. We need to go get more information from this drunk. Uh, I know you, you seem weird about it and blasé about it, but uh, this could be a problem for everybody. Uh, so they went in and then spoke to uh, the drunk about it, who let them know it was Lady, again, B- <laughs> Lady Belinda uh, Platonica Concilia Devon, uh, who is a paladin of Seamorph 
who is chasing some sort of a fiend with a, a sword with a crystal at the end. She's discovered that they are in Icewind Dale somehow and are chasing them down. And they had, they left uh, Bremen headed east on the road, uh, which there actually isn't a road in, in Bremen, but they were they were heading east anyway. Uh, <laughs> so uh, at some point, uh, Lady Belinda is going to be a problem for the party because she is trying to chase down the daughter of Zariel uh, in Icewind Dale. Uh, so I, I haven't statted this character out yet or what exactly her whole deal is. I know she's definitely a blowhard, that's for sure. Um, she's very into the goddess Siamorph. Uh, Siamorph is, is the goddess of nobility's right to rule, which is a very weird god, you know, in, in D&D <laughs> that, that happens to exist, but also very fun. Um, and th- just the sort of god that would uh, love to kill or, or love to uh, thwart uh, Zariel, even even if she, she doesn't really know what Zariel's plan is or what she's up to or anything like that. Uh, just in general, this goddess wants to, uh, you know, thwart her plans. Um, so that's going to be fun when that ends up happening. I actually know all of her retinue, like who they all are. She's got four followers. Uh, three of them are like knights of some sort. They'll they'll have a, a, a chunky-ish challenge rating. And she's got a, a page uh, who is going to be like a commoner, basically. Uh, she's got Linus of Sackthorpe, who is a, a knight sworn to her uh, service. Gaul, demon's enemy, another knight. Holy Myrna, uh, another knight uh, sworn to her service. And their page, Tarver the Knave, he's called. They call him Tarver the Knave. Um, he's just as holy as all the rest of them. He's just as right, self-righteous and everything. Uh, just as much a follower of Seamorph. Uh, but they call him uh, Tarver the Knave because uh, he's obviously very in love with uh, Lady Belinda. Although she, of course, has no time or interest in uh, such foolish diversions, you know. So anyway, yeah, that's all for the future. Uh, we'll figure out exactly uh, how that becomes a problem in sometime, but not yet. Uh, they then headed to Bryn Shander, where the weather has just started to get really nice because of the summer star. Uh, they sent Macritus away with the summer star, and he took it to Bryn Shander. And you know, the five mile radius around him is now very, very spring-like and very nice as those eight hour you know steps have finally resulted in a a a nice radius there uh he's working on trying to build more summer stars but you know even that that first night uh that they left and 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 left uh bryn shander on its own agents of oral have come through and uh destroyed the summer star uh they will find that out a little later i think uh Macritus and, and Copper, I'm not sure if they've been taken by those agents and, and will be in uh, Oral's uh, domain later in the game, or if they were slain, uh, we'll find that out at a later date. I mean, other stuff happened. We don't need to <laughs> get fully into a recap, uh, but they're headed on their way to Eudipides, which is the town of the Crested Flock, uh, which is uh, the homebrew chapter that I'm working on. Uh, that I'll be ready to share within the next week or two uh, with all of you. I, I want to try and play it. I've got uh, the playtest 
with my crew that'll that'll help. That's going to be a level five playtest, and then I want to uh, make a level two version as well, and then. I'm going to run that with another group, another set of friends of mine. Uh, we're going to give that a try uh, within the next couple of weeks. Uh, and then I, I figure between the level two and the level five version, uh, you can kind of figure it out yourself. How you, If your characters are three or four, um, you could either beef up the level two version or dumb down the level, level five version a little bit for your party. Um, and, and I'll probably, I'll include some uh, ideas, I'm sure, for how to do that, uh, how to make it harder or easier for, from either of those ends, rather than making, you know, a level two, a level three, a level four, and a level five version. I've, I've done a lot of changes in in the recent sessions, like, you know, them finding uh, the, the bounty poster. I mean, that well, that is not necessarily a change because it's uh, just tying in the secrets, so... That's not necessarily changed. But them uh, actually finding the rum on the pirate ship. They didn't find a lot of treasure on the pirate ship necessarily. So I thought it would be good for them to actually get the rum. Also, they went there kind of for the rum. And the book says, oh, but, you know, th- there is no rum. But there's other treasure for them to find. But I, I, I think, I mean, it, it's not nice to, <laughs> to give them a quest and, and then say, ah, 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 actually, no. So I, I, I tossed in a, a barrel of rum for them to make some money with. Uh, I thought that worked fine. Uh, it, it, it could make the travel back to town more difficult for your party if you don't happen to have a centaur like I do, which could mean for more you know nat- nature encounters on the way back if you wanted. I'm kind of over the nature encounters, to be honest with you. There comes a time in every campaign, I think, where... You kind of just have to go, okay, you, you get there and this amount of time elapsed. Maybe we'll go to the thing where I say, okay, what happened on the way? Actually, maybe I'll, I'll bring that up to the players. I'll say, was there an encounter that happened? And I'll have a, a few challenge rating encounters ready to go that I can reskin to whatever it is that they uh, mention uh, so that they can have a good time and have their part of the story. That's something that we do sometimes in my group during travel. You'll you'll just the DM will just turn to a player and say, "Okay, you're traveling along in the tundra, and something happened. What was it?" And you know, you, you just kind of have to be ready to, to think on your feet and uh, ready to let it let it fly with go with whatever they come up with. And it doesn't always work 100% the best uh, because I think we had something like that recently where. Um, it kind of contradicted some of the actual storyline and I had to scramble a little bit, but what, whatever it, it's, it is what it is. And it, it's a good way to get out of the constant rolling on tables and stuff. So yes, all the nature encounters, I would say that kind of doesn't work that well. Uh, I, I don't know. They might be, still be fun for the party. They might be having a good time. I just don't enjoy running them uh, as much as just getting to the actual meat of because it, it seems like just like kind of a waste of time in a way. And I, I don't want to waste anybody's time. Without them, you don't get the sense of scale uh, involved in a long journey. And in a way, I mean, you should have something in place that makes the, uh, the players take into account how far away something is before they decide to uh, drop everything and go in that direction. But on the other hand... You know, it, it is just filler, 
and I, I think I've had enough of, I've had my fill of filler for a while at least. Of course, I added in uh, Belinda, Lady Belinda, and uh, maybe if I make a, a an NPC for her, I, you know, a, a custom character sheet, maybe I'll share that with you all uh, at some point as well. And of course, you know, Eudipides and the, the Crested Flock, that's all uh, stuff that I added. Uh, looking forward, what I really need to do is I've got to get them into Chapter 3. Uh, that's an issue that I have right now because they haven't been to East Haven or Care uh, Koenig or is it Care Deneval? Whichever one that kind of leads them in the direction of uh, Chapter 3. I, I haven't gotten them there for Sunblight. I haven't gotten them there yet and I need to. Uh, what I was thinking was I could have Squivers, their, their, their contact, their oftentimes quest giver uh, lead them in the direction send them to East Haven since that's the most direct one I think and, and let them know that the town speaker of East Haven says that their ferry is currently haunted or something uh, to get them out there so they can find the invisible tracks of the Duergar uh, I was thinking maybe I would even make it so maybe Billy uh, they're another member of the Order of Elia he went out there to investigate for the speaker and hasn't returned and, and Squivers uh, hasn't heard from him in a couple of days. Uh, maybe he's been held captive by the Duergar there uh, or something and they can go and rescue him. Or maybe he he's even, maybe on the back of the map, uh, I could write I could have a, a message written that uh, they took the the mushroom freak boy to uh, to the fortress. That would really get the party moving if if they found that so that's i think what i will do because i i want to get them to chapter three uh they've leveled up they're level five now which is a little ahead of schedule but not crazy ahead of schedule i think it's uh fine uh although it did make balancing i was expecting to balance the uh the chapter i'd written to level four and instead they leveled up before they got out there <laughs> so i had to change my plans and make level five but that will make it... There's not a lot of level 5 content except for just jumping right into chapter 3. So maybe it could be useful to you to have a, a little something to toss in uh, at level 5 as well before they get out to uh, chapter 3. Or maybe I should just balance it for level 4. I don't know. Let me know what you think. <laughs> Send me a, a message on Twitter at the Greggiest or... Uh, an email to thegregiest at protonmail.com. Chapter 3 looks like it's going to be fun. I think I'm going to change it. I, I, I really hate I, I the, the choice at the beginning. So Zardarok, as soon as the players get there, he's already let his dragon go uh, to go destroy the ten towns. And it's supposed to be that the characters see this. Somehow they know that this is what uh, Zardarok has done. And they have to make a choice. Do they go and save as many of the Ten Towns as they can, or do they go and deal with Zardarok? I don't like that choice because I, I don't I don't think it's obvious enough. Um, so they get to the, the fortress, and as the characters begin their ascent, you're supposed to read, From high above comes a loud grounding noise as large sheets of ice break off the fortress walls and tumble down the mountainside. Suddenly, great doors of ice previously hidden under snow stand open more than 300 feet above you and from between them flies a huge dragon made of dark ice its eyes glow with a bright golden light as it lets out a terrible roar hurls itself into the air and glides away from the fortress then turns and heads north towards ten towns 
I mean, that makes sense. You know, you know that there's a, a dragon heading for ten towns. I don't think it's a, really a choice, though. I, I guess if Billy is there, they know that their friend is locked up in the fortress. It may be a choice. They could be like, okay, well, we either save Billy or we save the ten towns. But I don't think it's a real, a real choice. Because they've made so many friends in the ten towns. They've visited so many of the ten towns. It doesn't make a lot of sense that they would throw that all away for one person. Especially seeing as, you know, the rest of the Order of Elia, who they're friends with, is back in Goodmead. I don't, it doesn't feel like a real choice to me. So I think I'm going to make it so that Zardarok actually releases the dragon during the battle that he has with them. They finish off Zardarok, and now they have to make a choice. Do they take a long rest now that they've used all of their spell slots and things defeating this boss? Or do they just immediately head to the Ten Towns to try to save as many people as they can? Um, That's more of a choice to me. It's more of a a question of resources. You know, are are we going to even be able to take the dragon if we don't take this long rest? Or... What if we get there tomorrow morning and everything is gone because uh, we waited too long, you know? That's more of a dilemma to me. Uh, but let me know what you think. Again, like I always do every every session, uh, every episode, I always say, uh, you know, send me, you know now, the tweets, the, the email. Uh, let me know what you think about this choice. Uh, are you gonna are you gonna have the dragon leave as soon as they get to the fortress before they even step a foot inside? Or do you like the idea of an epic battle with uh, the the king of the Duergar uh, who releases a dragon in front of their eyes uh, during the battle and and they have to decide, do they uh, regain their resources and fight the dragon at at full strength or do, do they leave right now so they can save as many people as they possibly can? Uh, I think I'm, I'm waiting. I'm waiting these two choices uh, too much towards what I think. Uh, but I, I do think it's kind of a weird choice in the book. But I mean, they're the professionals. Okay, at this point, I'm just going around in circles. Um, yeah, so I would say for sure, uh, your homework is to read ahead. Uh, check out chapter three. How are you going to... Uh, get your players uh, to the fortress, to the Duergar fortress, right? Um, do, have they already been to East Haven? Have they already been to Care Koenig or Care Denival, whichever one it is? <laughs> you you know better. Actually, yeah, part of your homework is to research that. Figure out which one it is uh, that the Duergar are at. How are you going to get your care, your players there? Let's lay the groundwork earlier than I did. Before their level five, uh, put in put in some uh, put in some groundwork, build about foundation uh, before it, you get to where you need them to be in chapter three. But they're they're nowhere near it and don't have any clues leading in that, that direction. Other than that, I mean, if you have any comments about anything I've said today, uh, sorry I, I I took so long recapping my session, but I, I did add a lot of stuff. Uh, to the book in these last couple of weeks so it does make sense that I would have uh, a little extra uh, to say in the recap of my sessions of, of what I did uh, so I, I hope it wasn't all worthless or uh, I, I hope you were able to find something that you might be able to use uh, 
or an insight that you might uh, that might help you in you, in your sessions going forward uh, in that extra long recap sec- section. <laughs> but if you have any questions, any comments, uh, anything you would like to say, if you want to just talk about your campaign, your Rise, Rhyme of the Frost Maiden, uh, the changes you've made, feel free to hit me up on Twitter at the Gregius. Send me an email to thegregius@protonmail.com. Uh, or if you want to check and see how I DM when I'm actually doing it, you can always uh, check out twitch.tv slash powerwarriors, all one word with a Z at the end, where I stream every Sunday from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern. You can also actually, uh, right there in your in your podcasting app, uh, I've started putting out the audio of my sessions. Uh, you can find if you search for Power Warriors in your your podcasting app of choice i mean the sessions are long you don't get that visual element so uh, i don't know it's up to you if you if you if you prefer uh the podcast version feel free to check that out otherwise i think that's it uh, i hope you have a a great next session uh as you play icewind dale rhyme of the frost Maiden. see ya